Beers and Tears would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land from which we conduct this podcast, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their continued connection to the land and waterways and sky of this beautiful place, and we pay our respects to Elders past and present, and extend that respect to all First Nations people present today, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Hello everyone, welcome back to Beers and Tears. Today I'm joined with RVG. Hi, how are you? Good, I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, did you want to just begin by kind of like giving an RVG history rundown and just like how it all sort of came about and your musical journey, I guess? Um, sure. I guess RVG started in my old house because I had made a cassette of my own songs and needed a band because I didn't have a band. And I kind of very much thought it was going to be that gig and that's it. And then now it's become something much bigger, I guess. And, yeah, no, it's just it's we've been going around for a while. Like we've got three albums now, which is exciting. And, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's all good. Awesome. Have you always been like into creating post-punk music in that realm? Uh, yeah, I guess so. So it's kind of like, I mean, I don't quite call it post-punk. I think it's yeah. like it's a variation of other things. I mean, a, a lot of post-punk I find quite cheesy, but mm-hmm. but um, it's it's definitely it's it's just the kind of thing that I I am good at, really. Like I feel like feel like I've I always want to make like a pop record or a completely different record, but I, I find that I'm drawn to like this particular style of music. So, yeah. yeah, sweet. And what were some of your earlier musical influences that have sort of led you into the music that you create today? Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of different things. Like when I was younger, I really loved David Bowie and I still do. And I, I you know, I like a lot of like, 80s goth bands like the Sisters of Mercy and stuff they're kind of in the cure and stuff they're kind of like my my go-to and yeah I kind of you know a lot of that kind of stuff a lot of older, older Australian stuff a lot of modern Australian stuff just a kind of mix of everything especially the older I get it's kind of like I'll just listen I can listen to the cheesiest song and then yeah guilty pleasure <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was listening to Freebird the other week and I was just like, I love this song. I don't yeah, know. How good is that song? I love that song. Good. <laughs> I think I was listening to it. I was listening to it on the plane when we were, we were going to overseas and Ruben like looked at me from like the other plane seat with this like disapproving look and I'm like, nah, it's a great song. <laughs> it is. It is. It's a, it definitely in a plane as well. It really sets the... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you've been trickling some songs out this year. I wanted to just run through them and you can give me like a a memory in regards to the song or like a story or a favorite lyric, anything that you can kind of like tie to the track. Sure. Um, 
Yeah, so Nothing Really Changes was like the first song you released and the first taste of the new stuff. So, yeah, why did you kind of decide that this was the track of the first the first new RBG? Um, I guess it was just the it was the most exciting song to put on the first the first single. Um, it was kind of like just kind of you know, had the drum machine, it was a bit different. Um, there was lots of room to do a really interesting video clip with it as well. And so kind of all those all those factors definitely contributed to that. Yeah, cool. And then you moved on to Squid. Squid is one of my favourites, I think. It gives me, like, nice. it reminds me of Fontaine's DC, but in, like, an Aussie way. Like, <laughs> I don't know if that even makes any sense. That's um, cool. That's but, cool. yeah, tell me about Squid. Um, well, Squid's Squid's funny because um, just before we, we went overseas, we had seven songs before we were going to go record the record, and we had a lot of bits of songs and... I was trying to write, but I was just like, if I have pressure, I just don't do shit. Like, it's just, it's it's hard for me to, like, just think of shit on the spot. Mm. And so I kind of was writing and I wrote down kind of the the rudiments to, like, a very basic silly song. And then we're in rehearsal, like, I was, like, trying to do stuff and, like, I was like, eh, and they were like, you know, looking at me like we should probably work on something new. And I was like, I just literally started playing this like really silly song. <laughs> and they were like, yeah. And we kind of built it up over that. Um, I found, I, I kind of thought about it a bit uh, when we were overseas. Like I sat in the park before, like we recorded, I had to record the vocals and like cleaned up the lyrics and like made it into a more meaningful kind of thing. But, but, yeah, it was definitely something that just happened on the spot and I think that's what made it, for me, it was like I, that's kind of what I wanted as, with some of the songs on this new record. I just wanted things to be kind of immediate and, like, thought up kind of in the studio and not kind of pre-planned and have room for flexibility. And so they kind of ticked all the boxes. Yeah, cool. Then you released Midnight Sun, which is so far one of like the most higher energy rocky tracks of the four how did that one come about i read that 2019 late 2019 maybe early 2000 uh 2000 early 2020 when kind of the bushfires were happening it was just kind of a on the spot egg like song about how just the bushfires were kind of going and it just seemed like no one really like people gave a shit, but there was just you know a side of people who were like, "No, nah, this is this isn't important. This isn't climate change." Like the real the real problem in this country is like insert culture war issue, and it was just this back and forth, and it was just like sad because it's just like you know as a you know society and culture has gotten to the point where you can't just say something's bad. You can't just be like, "This we should probably fix this problem um, without having a bunch of people being like, but what about this problem? Yeah. And you're like, shit's burning, guys. Like, yeah. let's like, get it together. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, it's kind of like a song for me. It's just like kind of like I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to engage. I'm not going to add to the pile, you know, it's like it feels like one person says something stupid, someone counteracts that and then just adds this pile of shit and I was like, it's kind of me going, like, I don't want to add to the pile of shit. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Awesome. Your most recent track, Common Ground, is the final track before the album comes out. Um, yeah, I guess, um, like, we had a pretty intense 2019, like, really. Like, we were just kind of pouring a lot. Some bad shit happened, some good shit happened. Um, but I was definitely, by the time it got to, like, 2020, I was, like, super exhausted and kind of thinking to myself, like, what is the point of all this? And, you know, kind of wrote that, like, I don't know, I guess some somewhere between 20 and 21, uh, where it was just kind of, like, just it started off as a song kind of feeling quite sorry for myself. Um, but I was also trying to write it kind of, like, like a Phoebe Bridges song or something. And so that was the kind of thing I had in my head. I was just, just trying to break out of like whatever uh, this band is. And yeah, I started off feeling sorry for myself really. And it, then it kind of turned into something where it's like, it's a bit of a mission statement for this record. We play it live first. It starts off the record. It's kind of like, I, I just don't give a shit if you don't like me <laughs> really. And yeah, it turned into quite a positive song for me, which is which is so weird because it's it's yeah from the lyrics it's it's a, it sounds like a different thing, but the, the way I sing it is sort of kind of has a strength to it. Yeah, awesome. That is actually really cool as well that you start the album off with that because it kind of is a little bit of a different track as well. So it's like yeah. or like what are we going to get from the rest of this album? Like, is it the same? Is it different? Yeah. Then it, it bookends, goes on. It bookends really nicely with Tropic of Cancer at the end. It's like sort of like they both are sort of, yeah, uh, similar in that way. And it kind of, yeah, it sort of makes a statement. And the statement is sometimes vague and it's sometimes clear, but it's there. Mm. Speaking of, these tracks are all leading up to your new album, Brainworms. Uh, yeah, well, how did you kind of go about this track listing? Obviously, it's sort of like quite an intentional thing um, to have the order and to kind of like have the ending track flow back into the first track. Yeah, what was the process of the track listing for this album? Um, it was definitely like we, our, our last couple of albums, I felt like the, the track listing was quite similar to each other. And the song sort of, you, you know, when, when, we went, when we did this record, it was very much like we want the songs to kind of, inhabit like different universes in each track like now it's just like a lot of that was just recording certain things and 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 thinking of different ways but like I just definitely you know I didn't want to start it out with like like a big like Springsteen song you know I wanted to kind of like start off slowly and yeah I, don't, I guess it's just like it just kind of came quite natural really it's just kind of like it just makes sense um yeah, I I I didn't want to end it with like a big slow burner as mm. well, like love records. It's just kind of like mixing it up a bit and thinking about these things and just kind of yeah, just just changing it around in a way that still kind of works for what the album says. Yeah, sweet. And what is brainworms? What does that mean? What is what is brainworms and what does that mean for you? Um, well, brainworms. Yeah, brainworms is a very Twitter kind of expression i was reading a lot of twitter listened to a lot of the kind of like left left lefty podcasts like when i was deep in lockdown which was really good for me because i think i really like took my mind off not being able to play music and i just kept hearing this phrase brainworms which is just like for for a lot of things i was reading it was about like how people's minds are just like 
just being ruined by social media and the internet and how, yeah, none, none, none was especially evident during like the last few years we've had and like evident for a while. Like I think you could blame a lot of like people's psychoses on like um, the rise of like the algorithm and like social media. Um, but yeah, it's just a very visceral way of describing something that is kind of very real. Yeah. Brainworms. Brainworms. Yeah. On a poster, looks good on a t-shirt. You know. Yeah. See. (laughs) And you're going back to your first album that was recorded live at the Tote. Um, the whole whole schmuzzle going on with the Tote at the moment. But how was that recording process and stepping into that space at the time? Um, yeah. What was that like? Yeah, it was it was good at the time. I mean, it was definitely before a lot of the drama though like I was sort of seeing like because um the former bass player works at the tote and that's he he set it up and recorded it and yeah I definitely saw some shit <laughs> I definitely could feel that like yeah he, he didn't enjoy working yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't say this but I will um but yeah it was it was great at the time I mean like the tote was really good in letting us record there when the bar wasn't open Mm. Um, we had a guy knock on the window while we were recording and was like can you please turn it down and we were like uh guys we're recording an album (laughs) we're recording an album at a live music venue and then it turned out that he like lived way down the street like way down like you could not hear it from down there (laughs) just like a regular he would just knock on the window when bands were playing in there and like complain about the sound (laughs) It was just like a hobby of his to just like yeah. ritualistically every day go down and yeah. But it was like a, it was a great experience. Like it was like I don't know. It was we recorded that for like I think we only spent like probably a few hundred dollars, like a hundred dollars, dollars on it. It was like, um, and we just took our time with it, and yeah, it ended up being really, really good for us. Like I didn't expect something that like that to to mean something to people, which is always really nice yeah for sure and yeah how I guess how did that process then like differ and evolve going into the second and now the third album how is like the evolution of your recording process sort of gone through yeah I mean the thing with the first album especially is we always wanted to make a it's like a lo-fi big record I feel it's like got all these really interesting things but it's very much like done to our budget Mm. Um, and when we made the second record, we we stepped it up a bit and we had Victor producing it and that, that helped us a lot. But, yeah, there was always there's always been the mentality to kind of make something like this record where it's just big and immediate and has a whole bunch of synthesizers on it and, you know, it's, yeah, it's it's got a depth to it. And, like, yeah, I think both, I think all forms of, what we've recorded are like valid I think like it's you know you can make a lo-fi album you can make a hi-fi album as long as the songs are good is yeah for sure and that's been my mentality at least is like as long as the songs are good like we can we can do anything but like the I'm still I still want to make it bigger and bigger like I I would like you know I, I like orchestras if I could afford it but yeah it's, it's like a, it's a progress. We'll, yeah, with our means, within our means. But yeah, the the idea is to kind of keep going on this path and and making things more ridiculous. Unreal. 
And concluding, you guys have been doing a fair bit this year already, touring the UK, um, and then you're playing Dark Mofo coming up and Splendor in the Grass, and then you're headlining your own show at the Forum um, on the 14th, Rising. So I guess what, what, after playing all these shows, what does an RVG show look like and what can people kind of expect going to your shows? Um, We're a really good live band, I think. I think we've we've always been a pretty good live band, but I think at the moment we are like on fire, and I feel like it's just kind of like the live the live version of this band is is somewhat different from the records we've made, and yeah, just just a lot of that. I think we're we do, we kind of it's nice to kind of like think about things like lighting and like yeah about things like you know just how how it's how do you play to to as things get bigger and that's kind of the process I'm in at the moment is like figuring that out, but also playing like older songs and everything. And I think maybe if we've got time, we'll try and figure out a cover or something, but that's this band always struggles to be able to choose what cover to play, which is why very rarely was my cover. (laughs) It's the downfall of the band. What cover do we play? I really want to play the most dumb, like, pop hit like rock rock hit or something and um i'm always like it's always like no yeah do like a rick astley song or something just being super obnoxious i yeah i love that yeah there's a there's a cover we might do a cover song for a bit for for something and it is if i get my way it's going to be very ridiculous perfect unreal (laughs) yeah well thank you so much for joining me today and having a chat thank you so much it's been great Oh,